Dean's brother. So maybe that means a little either. I don't know. Um, I am excited, uh, not just to be here today, uh, but to be here a little bit more with you all as a church during the season ahead. Um, I know this is a uh, pretty uh, uncertain season, going through pastoral transition as a church. And so when I first talked to Tim uh, about coming and preaching this Sunday, I was originally planning to hop in to the, uh, the Advent series, uh, but I really felt compelled um, to speak directly to the season of pastoral transition that you find yourselves in. Because I believe that God um, cares deeply about this church in the middle of this season. And so I, I hope that this would be a word of encouragement and perspective to you all today. Um, so if you have a Bible, please turn to Matthew chapter 14. Uh, we're going to look at a pretty common story, uh, verses 22 uh, through 33 in Matthew chapter 14. All right, I'll read this through, and then uh, we'll dig in. Immediately, he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the, but the boat by this time was a long way from the land beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand, took hold of him, saying to him, O oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Well, as we uh, dive into this, uh, this text here this morning, I want us first to kind of get our, our minds around what's happening. Now, if you've been around uh, church any length of time, you probably have heard this story, famous story of Jesus walking on the water, and then Peter joining him. Um, so let's consider uh, what's really happening here. First of all, the where question. Where, where is this taking place? Uh, it's on the Sea of Galilee, and a storm kicks up while these guys are out on the boat, and it makes clear in this text that they are a long way from the shore. Uh, that's why they're afraid. If they are close to the shore, they could have quickly you know, brought the boat in and, and been safe. But, but they, they, they weren't. They were a long way from the shore. So they're in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. Well, when is this taking place? Uh, we see here it's the, the fourth watch of the night, uh, between 3 and 6 a.m. Um, this is the middle of the night. Um, they're exhausted, and this is taking place in the middle of the sea, in the middle of the night. Well, what's happening to them out there in the Sea of Galilee in the middle of the night? Uh, it's an interesting phrase here. It says that the boat was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. 
And so a storm kicks up, and they're planning to get across the lake, but all of a sudden, the wind is pushing them the wrong way. They're, they're, they're trying to get where they want to go, and they can't because the wind is against them. So they're in the middle of the sea, in the middle of the night, in the middle of a storm. Now, I want you to think with me just for a little bit here, if you were in that boat, what you might be thinking or feeling. So I know this is not in the text, but kind of put your sanctified imaginations on. What are you thinking and feeling here? Uh, if it's me, I'm beginning to be a little bit weary. Now, there's just natural weariness. I mean, these guys have spent the whole day ministering with Jesus. And then they're trying to cross the lake in the middle of the night. They haven't, they haven't slept in a while. Um, I don't do well without sleep. Maybe these guys are better. I don't know. But I'm guessing they're getting tired. They're weary. And more than just tired from being up all night, you know, they're working hard and seeming to get nowhere. The wind is against them. It's really hard to feel like your work is futile. And that's what they're beginning to feel like. We're stuck. So I think they're, they're weary out there in the middle of the lake, in the middle of the night, in the middle of the storm. And I find that when I become weary, I'm also very prone to become worried. You know, these guys are probably starting to think, are we going to be okay? Are we going to make it? Uh, it's evident that they're very terrified. When Jesus shows up, they're, I think he's a ghost. They're all confused. So they're weary. They're worried. What's going to happen to us? If, if we're not okay, what's going to happen to our families? I think these guys are weary, and they are worried. And I'm guessing right now those are two emotions that all of us in the room can connect with. Feeling weary and feeling worried. I mean, this past year, year and a half, has been difficult in so many ways. I mean, we get sick of hearing it, but the challenges of COVID um, make us tired. Um, trying to think through how are we going to be safe in the midst of this? How are we as a church going to keep functioning in the midst of this? It's caused a lot of weariness um, for churches. Then on top of just the normal reactions to COVID, we have all the political tensions thrown in on top of it. And it begins to make it even more wearisome. And I find we become worried. Is the church going to be okay in the middle of this season? Now, on top of those things, you as a church are going through pastoral transition. A whole other layer of things to be wearied and worried about. I could keep going here, because um, I'm guessing you all have your own personal, normal issues you're dealing with that make you weary and worried. So when we add all those things together, I'm guessing a lot of you right now probably feel weary and maybe worried about what's coming ahead. So here's the key question for today. What do we need to know as followers of Jesus when we are weary and worried by life's troubles? What do we need to know? And I want to look at this story and give us four things that I think are, are uh, like foundation stones that we need to know as followers of Christ when we become weary and worried by life's challenges. First truth, we need to know that Jesus sends us into the situations we find ourselves in. He sends us into these situations. Uh, you look with me in verse 22. It says that he made the disciples get into the boat and go before them. He, he made them. That Jesus is in charge. He knew what was coming. The storm was not a surprise to him. Um, didn't catch him off guard. He sent his disciples out onto that lake knowing full well what would happen. 
You know, the difficult circumstances we find ourselves in are not a surprise to Jesus. He was not caught off guard by all that is happening in our country. He's not caught off guard by all that's happening in your church. He's not caught off guard by what's happening in your life. He knows these challenges, and he has sent us as his people into these circumstances over which he is in control. Now, on in one hand, this may not seem very comforting. <laughs> the fact that Jesus would send us into difficult situations on purpose. Now, hang with me, okay? But it's, first, it's important to know first that he's in control. If he was not in control, that's a very troubling thing. If Jesus is not in control, then life is quite random and chaotic. But it's not. God has good purposes for his people, even in the midst of difficulty. See, I'm tempted to think, when I run into difficulty, that I or somebody else did something wrong to cause this situation. Who's to blame here? And in this certain circumstance, no one was to blame. Jesus sent his disciples into this storm so they could learn something. So first truth is to know that Jesus sends us into the situations we find ourselves in. Secondly, we need to know that Jesus intends to strengthen us in our weariness and in our worry. He does not send us into the storm um, merely to cause us alarm. His deep desire is to come alongside those who are weary and those who are worried and to strengthen them. Now, when Jesus came to his disciples out in the lake, it's interesting that they don't even recognize him at first. I'm not sure all what's going on here. Um, but they're so terrified, they think he's a ghost. I'm not sure if this is exactly what's happening, but I do find that in the midst of worry, I often don't perceive things correctly. The disciples miss Jesus in the midst of this. And I wonder how often that happens to us too, that we miss Jesus and what he's doing in the midst of life's difficulties. But Jesus comes to them, and he wants to strengthen them, and listen to his words. Frankly, if you hear nothing else this morning, hear Jesus' words to his disciples when he comes to them. He says, take heart, it is I, don't be afraid. Take heart, it is I, don't be afraid. This phrase here, there's three phrases. Take heart, it is I, don't be afraid. And the ones on the end are like bookends. To take heart is to have good courage. It's about having confidence, inner strength. And when you take heart, it produces a lack of fear, that you're not afraid. What I'm fascinated by is what's in the middle. The reason Jesus gives his disciples for taking heart and not being afraid is this simple phrase, it is I. He doesn't give them a different reason. He doesn't give them a plan for how he's going to keep them safe. He doesn't say, take heart, I'm going to calm the storm here in a few minutes, don't be afraid. He doesn't even say, take heart, you're not going to drown, don't be afraid. He simply says, take heart, it is I, don't be afraid. So here's the principle. True peace doesn't come from knowing a plan, but knowing a person. True peace does not come from knowing how God is going to get us through life's difficulties. It comes from knowing God in the midst of life's difficulties. I wish that could descend from my head to my heart, but every trial, I have to learn that one over again. That true peace comes from knowing God in the midst of life's difficulties. 
And I think that when we look for peace from a plan, rather than from a person, we inevitably become increased in our weariness and our worriedness. My, my kids are getting older now. Uh, two of them are in college. One's a senior in high school. But I still uh, remember fondly back when they were younger. And occasionally, one of them would have a nightmare in the middle of the night, and they'd call out. And you know, you could kind of tell through your parenting years if it's a, you know, a fake, I just want to get out of bed kind of cry, or a real kind of cry. And when I would go to their room in the middle of the night and realize they're having a nightmare, I would simply say something like, it's OK. I'm right here. And it was always enough for my kids. They didn't need to hear the full explanation. Just to know that I was with them in the room in the midst of their terrifying encounter was enough. And I think that we, as adults, need to learn that lesson over and over again, too. That it's enough in the middle of life's difficulties to know that Jesus is right with us and has promised to be till the end of the age. Real peace comes from knowing Jesus in the midst of life's difficulties. Third truth that we need to know if we're going to walk with Jesus when weary and worried is that he invites us to join him walking by faith. That Jesus came to his disciples uh, in the middle of the sea, in the middle of the night, in the middle of the storm, and he strengthened them with his presence. And then in response, Peter calls out to him, Lord, if it's you, you know, ask me to come to you on the water. And Jesus said, come. Peter trusted Jesus, and then Jesus made it possible for Peter to walk on the very waves that were previously causing him such concern. Isn't that a great image? The waves that were previously beating the boat, that were causing Peter to be terrified, now he's walking upon those waves, simply because he is heeding the voice of Jesus. You know, I think that the very situations that we fear are going to harm us or hurt the church are quite often the very opportunities in which God's power can be revealed in us and through us. You know, Peter didn't walk on the water in his own power. He couldn't do it. Only Jesus can do that. And Jesus' power was revealed as Peter walked on the waves. Now, in the middle of life's storms, Jesus wants to empower you and I to a walk with him also. He wants to empower us to do what's not natural and not even possible in and of our own strength. He wants to reveal his power in our lives. But Jesus' power is only available as we look to him. You see what happened with Peter the second he gets distracted. You know, I think this is a very similar situation for so many followers of Christ in our country this past year. You know, the issues of our day are blowing fiercely. You know, the waves are beating the church, so to speak, relentlessly. And it really tempts us to make the issues of our day our primary focus. And when this happens, we just do what comes naturally, rather than being empowered by Jesus to live like him. You know, we end up having fear, we end up having separation and tension, we end up anxious and fearful, we end up sinking because the challenges of our day are too much for us in our own strength. They are. But they're not too much for Jesus. He invites us to join him walking by faith. And he wants to empower us to do what does not come natural. It's not natural to love our enemies. 
It's not natural to live as a unified church. It's not natural to rejoice in suffering. It's not natural to obey Jesus' commands. Those are all unnatural things for sinful people. But Jesus makes them all possible. I really think that the challenges we are going through right now are actually the very opportunities for Christ's power to be revealed. Our world is waiting for a different kind of community. And the church has the opportunity to be that in the middle of the the day we find ourselves in. We need to know that in the middle of life storms, Jesus invites us to join him walking by faith. And then we come to the, the fourth and last truth. We need to know that Jesus plans to grow our faith in every circumstance. I mean, there is so much uh, about God's plans that we don't know in life. I don't know why God allows the things he does. I I don't. But this I do know, that in every circumstance, his intention is to grow us to become more like Christ. That's his whole purpose in coming to earth as a baby and going to a cross and sending his Holy Spirit into his church is he wants to take people made in the image of God but who have become tainted by sin, to be redeemed and transformed into the image of Christ. And he's always about that plan. And to do that, he grows our faith, our trust in him. Now, Peter's faith grew in this event. When he walked on the waves with Jesus, all of a sudden he came to see something that is impossible for him is possible with Jesus. I'd love to have been at his house that night when he got home. Guess what I did today? And the stories he had to tell about what Jesus enabled him to do. But I actually think him walking on the water was not the greatest uh, faith increaser in this story. I actually think the greatest faith increaser in the story was when he sank under the waves. Let me read again what happens after he sinks. Peter cries out, Lord, save me. And Jesus immediately reached out his hand, took hold of him, saying, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Despite Peter's lack of faith, despite him becoming distracted by the waves around him, despite the fact that he began sinking under the waves, Jesus was right there. The second Peter cried out, Jesus took hold of him. See, this is the God we have who is faithful even when we are faithless. Peter knew when he walked on the waves that Jesus was powerful. But when Jesus rescued him, he knew that he was faithful. And we need to understand both truths about our Savior, that we have a powerful God who can empower us to walk with him, to live like Christ, but also a faithful God who loves us and forgives us and does not despise our cries for mercy. Jesus is powerful and he is tender. I think when we realize that, our faith begins to grow, even during our failures, that we have a God who loves us and in whose grip we are secure. So we've considered four things that we need to know about Jesus when we are weary and worried, that he's sending us into the the situations we face, that he intends to strengthen us in those challenges, that he invites us to join him walking by faith, 
that he intends to grow our faith through our successes and our failures. Those are four things to know, but I want to leave you with one thing to do. Because we need to have more than just knowledge. Following Jesus involves action. So this week, I want to leave us with a, a practice. And that's the practice of refocusing. See, in, in the middle of this, uh, this uh, event here, Peter's focus shifted from Christ to the distractions around him. I can resonate. It is so easy in life to become distracted by the dangers and the threats happening around us. And I find that a lot of the Christian life is about refocusing upon Christ, upon what is true, and this is a daily practice. If you're like me, and I hope you're not, but if you're like me, I awake most days already weary and worried the second I wake up. For some reason, my mind is already thinking about the challenges. I'm already maybe rehearsing what happened yesterday, and then in light of that, what needs to happen today. I begin my day, most days, already a little bit anxious. Now, to make matters worse, if I pick up my phone right away and start scrolling through the emails that are awaiting me, the bad events in the news cycle, at the beginning of every day, there is the opportunity to step into anxiety, to step into weariness, to step into worry, or to refocus. And I find it to be an incredibly important practice at the start of every day, prior to picking up the phone, prior to beginning my to-do list, to simply say, what do I know to be true about Christ and his kingdom? Maybe that's a scripture reading plan you have. Maybe it's a song that we've been singing in church. Maybe it's a prayer. But it is at the beginning of each day, refocusing upon what is true because of Christ. Uh, right now, if you don't have a, a particular practice, I'd encourage you to take Isaiah 40. I know that's a, a passage that you're looking at in this Advent season. Read that chapter or a verse from that chapter and begin your day refocusing upon this truth. Then, as the waves hit you during the day, and they will, pause and remember what you rehearsed in the morning. I find the practice of refocusing to be essential to walking with Jesus when weary and worried. Well, over the next uh, few months, I know you as a church will have ample opportunity uh, to put this into practice. I'm looking forward uh, to being here, praying with you, praying for you, and looking forward to seeing what Christ is going to do uh, in this church in the season ahead. Will you pray with me? Lord, we are so thankful uh, that you are a faithful and a good God. Thank you, Lord, that nothing catches you by surprise. Uh, nothing that has happened in our nation uh, over the past uh, couple years is a surprise to you. Nothing happening in this church right now uh, is a surprise to you. But God, you have led us, your people, into these situations for our own refinement and for an opportunity for your power to be revealed in us and through us. So God, I do pray that you would give us eyes of faith. Lord, I pray you'd help us to see you, see you with us, see you leading us, and Lord, uh, to see your good intentions for us. God, I pray uh, that you would give us the ability to daily, daily turn our eyes upon you. Lord, we know you call us to daily take up our cross, to daily follow you. So Lord, please uh, help us to have uh, these eyes to see you in each day. We love you, and we are so grateful for what you have done for us in Christ. We pray in his name. Amen.